Hey, it's Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. A two-hand follow jam is true for Josh Jackson. And you're listening to the Morning Blitz with my main man, Ross Volkmer, right here on 1025 You Rock. This Saturday and Sunday, Oakley's annual gun, coin, and knife show returns to the Logan County 4-H building. Doors will open Saturday from 9 to 5, Sunday 9 to 3. Sponsored by the Oakley VFW Auxiliary Post 2981. Once again, that's Oakley's annual gun, and coin, and knife show at the Logan County 4-H building this Saturday and Sunday. We welcome into the program our good friend from the Kansas City Star. That's Jesse Newell. Jesse, you big into gun, coins, and knives? <laughs> uh, I might be 0 for 3 on those. But, uh, <laughs> for some no, reason, I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I actually grew up in a family, uh, a hunting family. Uh, my brother and dad love it. So, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to knock any of that, but no, yeah, you probably shouldn't be surprised that uh, over three on those for me at least. So you're saying you're not a hunter? It's not one of those things you've done? Have you ever hunted anything? Have you ever got anything? Uh, so I think, you know, I'm not going to call this childhood trauma, Ross, but uh, I always think back, I was probably about eh, six or seven years old, and my dad took me and my younger brother hunting with him one time, and uh, he wanted to go investigate somewhere else to go look for deer. And but he wanted to leave us there, and he said, "Hey, stay in this bush with your brother. Don't move. Don't make any noise, or a hunter is going to think you're a deer, and he'll shoot you." And so we stayed quiet there for what felt like maybe three or four days. It probably was more like you know 15 minutes or so. But anyway, sitting there trying to stay quiet, worried about deer hunters shooting us, and sure enough, another deer hunter came by us. And so me, being the thinker I was, I popped out of the bush and told him hello and introduced my brother to him, and finally my dad came back later. So I think after that moment, uh, I was no longer a hunter, and maybe that was uh, what pushed me into the trajectory of uh, a sports writer. <laughs> well, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm not a big hunter myself. I, I always tell people, like, do you want to go hunting? No, I don't really want to get up on a, on a, sat, on a fall Saturday and at, you know, 3, 4 in the morning, go sit and be cold and do that. That's not for me. I'm not going to do that. I'd rather get up and watch, you know, college football or something like that. So that that'd be me. I'm much more well, that like kind I of said, person. Yeah, I'm, I'm from a family that does it, so, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely get it. So, uh, yeah, it's just not where, uh, where, where this apple fell from the tree. Now, uh, the big news this week, Jesse, of course, in Chiefs camp was the news that Chris Jones is back in the building when you heard and read the details of the contract and it was what got him back into the building, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's, I mean, it was sort of a safe face measure, I think, for, for Chris Jones. And he played every card he had to potentially try to get a long-term deal. He tried to put some pressure on the Chiefs to get that thing done. I think the problem is just that these two parties aren't a great match in terms of dollars. And that's because the quarterback the Chiefs have is not on a rookie contract, you know, and that's really where you start and end your conversations with the salary cap in the NFL is, is your quarterback on a rookie deal? And if so, you have a lot of wiggle room to go spend a bunch of money. And if your quarterback is not on a rookie deal, well, you got to pinch pennies and try to figure out other ways to win without having a bunch of superstars on your roster. And so I think the Chiefs were interested in re-signing uh, Chris Jones to a long-term deal. And I think Chris Jones is, is serious in saying he would love to be in Kansas City. It's just the financial implications of that happening are very complicated for the Chiefs, especially when they're trying to push open their window for as long as they can to try to win Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes still on the team. Um, But, you know, this Chris Jones thing, where where it started to not make sense was 
what he missed the game check. Uh, you know, you add up everything that he's lost now. If you had just shown up, you would have gotten this guaranteed money because he's still in the last year of his deal. But you talk about a $500,000 workout bonus he forfeited. He lost about $2.2 million by not showing up to training camp. He lost a $1.08 million game check by not being um, uh, at the game or not being playing at the game against the Lions. And now you look at these incentives that he gets, and more, more likely than not, he's going to earn about $2 million back. So, listen, I can't speak for him. Um, I know there's guys out there that are veterans that don't love training camp and potentially would pay a lot of money to not attend training camp. So I, I can't tell you if it's worth it for Chris Jones $1.5 to $1.8 million for the last two months of his life to go sit in Miami and train and you know smoke cigars by his pool as he's been showing on Instagram. I don't know. Maybe that was worth it for him. Um, but in the end, you know, him coming back and playing for the Chiefs this year is all about him maximizing his value and showing off and showing that he can be an amazing player at age 29 so that next year in free agency somebody pays him for his 30, 31, and 32-year-old seasons and he can make a whole lot of money. And most likely it's not going to be with the Chiefs. So um, the good news for both parties is that the way this thing turns out the best is that he plays well, the Chiefs play well, they go win potentially another Super Bowl, and then Chris Jones makes a boatload of money somewhere else next year. Uh, if that all happens and the Chiefs are successful because of it this year, then both sides can kind of find some comfort in knowing that him being good this year will benefit both parties. You know, the Chiefs got a chance to see what it would be like without Chris Jones against Detroit and end up losing that game. I know you're a guy that watches the game a lot closer than probably some, so your thoughts on how they did without Chris Jones against the Lions. I know they lost, but how do you feel like they did defensive line front-wise? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting if you look at like real close to the numbers on this. Um, the Vegas line, I talked to an odds maker in Vegas. I texted him and said, hey, you know, how much does Chris Jones impact this thing in a game? He said, maybe a half point, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, it's just really hard for non-quarterbacks to move the needle, especially if they are on the defensive side of the ball. And so could Chris Jones have helped? Essentially, could he have won them that game because it was so close? Absolutely. Um, but you look at what happened when Travis Kelsey was ruled out, that Vegas line moved like, two to two and a half points, depending on the sports book you look at. So I think that kind of also reinforces what the Chiefs were doing here, which is saying, look, you know, love you, Chris, want you long-term, all those sorts of things. But bottom line is it's just it doesn't move the needle as much as maybe some casual fans out there think when it comes to a season-long sort of deal. But when it comes to the Chiefs, you know, their defense played well. I mean, we've got to start with that. I mean, they gave up 14 points to a really good Lions offense. You don't count the pick six that really isn't on the defense. Um if you go back and watch the film, and like I was looking at Pro Football Focus's grades for the Chiefs on the defensive side, eight of the nine top nine players that were graded well for the Chiefs were not defensive linemen. The only one who ranked in the top nine was uh, Felix Anyudike Uzama, you know, the former K State guy who got some pressures in on Jared Goff in that game. So I think it was Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, kind of creating some stuff. Honestly, I think it was the Lions missing a few shots down the field when guys were open. I think the Chiefs sort of got away with it without Chris Jones, but they're going to feel much better with him in there. Uh, their defensive line was okay. Okay to below average to not good that was made up for because their secondary played pretty well, and their linebackers had pretty good games too. So I'm not sure it was a formula for long-term success. The Chiefs will definitely welcome Chris Jones back, and he does give them more options defensively, obviously, uh, because that first game, the Chiefs sort of, I think, 
to put it in my terms, they got away with it. They got away with it that first game. They didn't give many points. They had, you have to launch them for how they play defense, but I don't think it was a long-term plan for success. With Chris Jones in there, uh, you see a lot more paths toward them being a much better defense from here, here moving forward. Jason Newell joining us here on the Morning Blitz. One more on Jones, and we'll move off this topic, but let's just let's look ahead to the future. I know we've just started a season. He'll be back for this year, but looking ahead to the future, is this something that you want to go get in the draft or something you want to get in free agency or just whatever is best available? You talking about like a Jones replacement? Or? Yes, talk about it. When Jones more than likely signs a deal to go somewhere else, how do they go about filling a, a huge void? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. Uh, I, I do think they'll at least talk to him in the offseason, and, and so much depends on how he does this season. I mean, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't have a good year? Uh, what will the market be like? And will he be the most? Will the Chiefs be the most attractive option for him? But yeah, I mean, I think for the Chiefs, you just function how you function, which is what's most important. And what's most important is Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. And then the rest kind of takes care of itself. And they've done a really good job in filling in pieces with pretty cheap young pieces on the defensive end and other spots. You talk about McDuffie, you talk about Nick Bolton, you talk about, uh, you know, Brian Cook, safety, all those sorts of things. So I just think you sort of add to the roster as best you can. I just told you, you know, a minute ago that even Chris Jones, one of the best defensive players in the NFL, moves the NFL, moves the Chiefs line about a half point if he doesn't play, and that's not much. So maybe you fill in some margins elsewhere. But uh, if he is not available at all, I definitely think that's something they could look to um, address very early in the draft next year. And if they know they have that vacancy, then obviously that's something that's very a lot easier to look into uh, rather than this year where they thought Chris Jones was going to be available, thought they'd find into a long-term deal. Obviously that thing did not get done. All right, moving on to Travis Kelsey. Didn't play in week one. According to his podcast with his brother, Jason, it sounds like he might be ready to go this this week, too. What are you hearing? Yeah, he was out on the practice field yesterday, um, along with Chris Jones. Those guys were pretty happy to see each other, giving him a hug. Kelsey kind of jumped on top of him, which, I mean, I think it was kind of a positive sign for Chiefs fans in a couple ways, which is, one, you know, they seem to be welcoming back Chris Jones, even though he was gone for so many practices. And number two, um, you know, Travis Kelsey jumping on a dude a week after hyperextending his knee is sort of a, an encouraging sign to basically say, hey, he, he's probably feeling a little bit better than he was a, year, a week ago. Uh, still limited in practice yesterday, so, you know, there's still the caveat there that uh, he's not fully cleared and not everything is, is hunky-dory completely yet, but I'm with you, like you said earlier. I'd expect Travis Kelsey to play. That based off all indications, the Chiefs sort of dodged a bullet, and they did do the smart thing last week by holding him out. They might be wanting to know if they – you know, it forced him out there or it's a normal production they do out of him. But this is such a long season. And the Chiefs, the Chiefs' worries are not week one. The Chiefs' worries are weeks 18, 19, 20, 21, and then potentially the Super Bowl after that. So uh, they were smart in holding him out. And if they get the normal Travis Kelsey um, back this week after hyperextending his knee and after, you know, doing some rehab and feeling a little bit better, then uh, they'll have made the wise choice and, you know, thought long-term on this uh, when it would be easy to try to force him out there and try to win that week one. How did you feel like the backups, you know, whether it was Noah Gray or whoever else, filled in in the place of Kelsey? You know, I thought Noah Gray was pretty good. Um, I think that's sort of what hurt the Chiefs a little bit is that Andy Reid did not change his game plan, which he's been practicing, you know, he's been working on for months. So basically, they just slotted Noah Gray into the Travis Kelsey spot, and uh, they slotted Blake Bell into the Noah Gray spot. I, I thought Noah Gray had some highlights. There was a couple. Weird things he did on routes that you wouldn't expect from Kelsey. Um, maybe turned the wrong way when he was uh, coming back towards the football, which, you know, sort of things you wouldn't expect. But he had a great move uh, over the middle and uh, 
broke some tackles, you know, was able to get yards after the catch. Uh, he was next gen staff was one of the top guys in the NFL in terms of getting yards over expected on the catches he had. So I thought Noah Gray performed just fine. Uh, completely honest with you, Blake Bell, it was a rough game for him. Uh, he was not blocking well on the perimeter. He was not doing the sorts of things <laughs> the Chiefs need. And uh, potentially that's kind of maybe where the Chiefs saw the, the ramifications of not having Kelsey, which was Noah Gray filled in well enough for Travis Kelsey, but Blake Bell playing 40% of the snaps and not serving the Noah Gray role very well is kind of where the Chiefs missed out. And they still were forcing their two tight end sets out there. I just, I got to be honest with you, Ross. I mean, I, Blake Bell has been around for a while. I, I don't see him ever playing 40% of the snaps for the Chiefs in a game ever again in his career. And maybe not for an NFL team in his career, just because uh, that's not probably overextending the role and what he should have, uh, you know, on a particular offense. So um, we'll see. Again, getting Travis Kelsey back kind of helps you in, in those multiple ways. But I, I thought Noah Gray did all right. Not, maybe not the reliable option that Patrick Mahomes usually expects from that number one receiver, but when he got the ball in his hands and was able to catch it, he was able to make some moves and get downfield. So I think the Chiefs have to be encouraged by some of the stuff they saw from him, especially in the pass-catching game. Uh, Jesse Newell, our guest here. One more for you. The Jaguars, this on the road, this sorry, should be a good game, I think. I think pretty evenly matched contest. Yeah, and a lot of storylines, too. You know, Doug Peterson uh, used to coach with Andy Reid. Obviously, uh, these two teams met in the playoff last year when Patrick Mahomes hurt himself and then came back in the game later, so there's a history there. Juwan Taylor, the right tackle, I wrote about him this morning. You know, he had the whole, the whole NBC broadcast on top of him <laughs> saying he was false starting and stuff, but uh, he said, he told me in the locker room yesterday, he said, hey, I'm expecting the officials to be watching me, so I've got to be, you know, a tick later to make sure I'm not getting penalties. But he played for the Jaguars for four years, um, so there's that involved with it. And uh, a little bit cooler. It's not going to be uh, the 95 degrees and humid like it sometimes is in Jacksonville. So uh, Chiefs might catch a break there. But this could have major ramifications. The Jaguars have a pretty easy schedule, and they're expected to be one of the best teams in the AFC. So if the Chiefs don't win this game, they might be putting themselves beyond the eight ball if they want to get that one seed later in the playoffs. And I know it's early to be thinking about the playoffs in week two, but the Jaguars might not have any losses left just based off the schedule and the teams they play. So an important game for the Chiefs and an important game to not go to 0-2 uh, early in the season. This is not the spot you want to be as a Super Bowl champ. The ultimate endorsement. That's Jesse Newell uh, joining us here on the Morning Blitz. Jesse, thank you so much for the time today. It's always great to catch up. We'll do it again soon. Thanks. Indoor enthusiast is the term, so uh, <laughs> I, I keep that one very close. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Russ. Thank you, Jesse. Once again, great stuff there from our fellow indoor enthusiast. All right, let's uh, get to break and we come back. The NFL Power Five coming up to wrap up the show next. You're listening to the Morning Blitz.